welcome back to a very special bonus episode of Go Off Sis, okay? And for this episode, I am so hyped, you guys. We are going to throw it all the way back, okay? Scrunchies and Dunkaroos back, okay? Jodeci in pajamas in the desert back. Ringtones you had to buy back, okay? When you had a computer room, a dial-up, and a dream back, okay? So whatever your choice, we are taking it, throwing it back to the good old days, what we now call, let's say, the golden era. The good times, the music, the you don't know nothing about that kind of nostalgia, all right? (laughs) So that is what we're going to do today because we know a lot of things have changed in this pandemic uh, and a lot of things haven't. So let's talk about the things that we still love. If you're comfort watching Martin for the 10th time, that's your business, okay? And when it comes to fashion, music, TV, or events, it's the memories that we love or hate. So we're going to take this trip down memory lane, come join us as we talk about the things we love from back in the day and the things that should stay there, okay? So we're going to get into this round table in true throwback fashion. We're going to introduce ourselves and share the very special episode that we make a cameo in. You know, remember when like Denzel Washington would show up on a show and then all you heard was the audience clapping. He couldn't even get his fake lines out. Like, what? W- when would you be that? When? When is that for you? So we're going to kick that off with our very own throwback treat as we introduce this round table, our forever fave unbothered sister, go off sis, OG family, a.k.a. ask them hoes about me, a.k.a. Ah. ask, a.k.a. Miss Wiggins if you, well, you know, you got a whole baby, so maybe we won't go there. So, but, but go ahead and remind the people who you are, okay? That, that is an introduction. That is an introduction. Hello, everybody. It is Danielle Cadet Wiggins. I'm going to put some respect on the W. And um, I'm so glad to be back. I'm so excited. It feels so good to be back in the booth with my sisters. I'm very excited for this episode. I'm very excited to have this conversation. And I'm very excited to be associated with any of those things. Jodeci in pajamas? Like, come on, in the desert? Like, I'm very excited to be associated with uh, ringtones that you have to pay for, you know? All, <laughs> all those good things back in the day. If that If that is the episode I'm associated with, I'm here for it. My cameo. Okay, so I'm going to kind of break the rules and I kind of have two as well. Okay, the first is I would have been like in a sketch or a skit on all that. I would have been like, you know, remember like all that when like TLC came out or like, Mm, you know, like mm. someone came out and and everybody was like, what? Like everybody was really happy. So I would have like walked in real like, I would have been on like a Good Burger type seat because I also had a really big crush on Kel Mitchell. I still do. What? And then the other one I would have done, I always felt like people had really dope prom dates. So like on Sister Sister or Moesha or Fresh Prince, they always had like really, really great prom dates. So I would want to be somebody's prom date or someone's like old girlfriend. Like remember when Tyra came back on Fresh Prince and she was like the girl from Philly and blah, blah, blah. Jackie. Jackie uh from Philly. Jackie. Jackie from (laughs) Philly. I would have done like a Jackie-esque role. That would be me. And Tyra doesn't get enough uh, props for that because she turned that cameo into a recurring, a recurring character. Recurring. Okay? She was a recurring like she, character. Yeah, she brought that and was like, no, and no, she no, was not so part of like his char- his development. Like, yes, Will in college, on the show in college was like shout out to Tyra for that role. Yes. Okay, I love that. Kathleen, how you doing in the six? I'm doing good. You know, Canadian contingent represent as I do. <laughs> So yeah, I'm Kathleen, senior editor of Unbothered, one half of the senior editor team. 
I am so excited. I got emotional during that intro because the gang's all back together. It Woo! feels like a reunion episode here. Yes. Yes. A throwback. I'm so excited. The nostalgia, it's here. It's good. I'm going to try not to cry. My cameo, I'm also going to pick two, which Chelsea read me before we started <laughs> recording this. For Correct. always picking two and never picking one. I Correct. broke the rules um, in solidarity. I broke the rules. <laughs> Thank you, D. Thank you for that. I would be like the best friend. Not Maybe not the best friend because it would probably be, I, I'd be like stuck with one episode. I wouldn't get that recurring arc. So on Sister Sister, I would be like Tamara's friend, probably, I would say. Also, T and Tamara needed more black girlfriends. If you rewatch Sister Sister, Amen. Amen. they Amen. did. Retweet. So I'll pop and do that. Or on Fresh Prince, also coming in to be rebellious with Ashley Banks because I too grew up in the suburbs like Ashley and was trying to be rebellious, went to private school, wanted to go to public school, that whole thing. So let me let me be the rebel with Ashley Banks. Amen. Ooh, I like that. Those are good ones. And remember in Sister Sister, Brittany Murphy. Season one yes. was their friend. Yes. 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 R.I.P. Rest, yes. rest in peace for sure. She's, but she popped up in a lot of those, like, very early. Um, obviously, Clueless, which we'll get into because that's part of this throwback energy. Y'all go uh, ahead and uh, pull up your Netflix and uh, watch some Sister Sister if you so please. <laughs> Shout out to Strong Black Lead. <laughs> light plug, light plug. Okay. <laughs> had to do it. I had to do it. Yes. Okay, Steph, how about you? How you feeling? I'm good. Hey, everybody. I am the other half of our senior editor duo, Stephanie Long. And this just feels like such a pleasant time warp having Danielle back here. <laughs> um, I literally have been looking forward to this all day. My cameo, I feel like this will probably surprise nobody, but I would probably come in as like Denise's best friend on a different world. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Particularly yes. like the earlier seasons, like yes. when she was still roommates with um, Maggie and, yes. oh mm. my God, I forgot her other roommate's name. The one that was older and everyone was like, oh my God, Jaleesa. she was married. Jaleesa. Mm. Jaleesa. Yes. <laughs> the episode that kind of pissed me off was when she was supposed to pay, I think they were supposed to pay like her their, their boarding or something like that and forgot. And so like both of them were like at risk of like losing the room and then she had to like yeah. get a job. And I feel like she just, that whole, that whole season, she was just always like getting in like senseless trouble. And I just feel like she just needed that little, that little voice of reason, you know? That's and I so you. Mm-hmm. I could, I could have been that, but also I like high key want to like share her wardrobe with her. So Mm. Yeah, that's, that's all you stuff. That's yeah. definitely all <laughs> Maybe People if sleep she on had season you. one of a different world, I, it, I, it's the pre Debbie Allen season, so mm-hmm. you know. But and it's it's also like there's a lot of white kids at Hillman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Alrighty, I am Chelsea Sanders, VP at Unbothered, and okay, my cameo again. This should surprise no one. Okay, go back with me. Smart guy. Another okay. show that people yeah. sleep on. Okay. Yes. I'm with you, Taj sis. I'm Maori. with you. I'm with you. The Maori legacy does not stop. But you remember there was a very specific episode, again, for the insider baseball fans who knew that Taj was a musically gifted person. He also tap danced. And they brought on Beyonce and the Destiny's Child. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Do you remember that? And I promise you, I watched that episode over and over. Like, if I had just gotten my shot, I could have been in the recording booth. With I saw the twinkle in your eye just now. <laughs> like, with Taj, like, doing the, like, da 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 the tap dance. And, like, you, maybe you I do a riff. look like you can fit right into the Maori. Exactly. I, I, I you could. Did. I really, yes. really 
could. And I swear to you, like, I, like, if someone gave me the chance, I would be Chelsea Mallory. <laughs> I would just be a long lost cousin. <laughs> it even sounds good. Yeah. It sounds perfect. It really does. Thank you. All right. <laughs> I could have been a contender. <laughs> when I say I was like, I could have been Tash if I studied a little bit harder. I could have skipped six grades. <laughs> Literally, like, because I am the delusional Debbie that I am. But, you know, <laughs> you, you got to have dreams. Here. I see it for you, sis. I do. Yeah, I really do. exactly. All right, good. Now that we've established that throwback energy and talked about some of the things that we love from this time, we're going to get a little deeper into it, okay? So we talked about a little bit of our fashion and style choices in our episode earlier this season with Day Samuel. And now I want to start off by getting into some of our style and some of the things that we love from back in the day, from those 90s times, from when you could take Usher to your prom, you know, those days when everything was possible. And I just want to talk about some of those things that we wanted to rock that we now are maybe over or the things that maybe we want to bring back. Because I think, obviously, Kathleen is 25, which is very established. And Oh, thank you so much. That that (laughs) needed to be established because... Y'all going to think I'm aging myself with my references, but let's not forget I am only 25. Exactly. Don't fact check that. Exactly. Don't, fact check that. <laughs> don't worry about the details. Her government ID. <laughs> if Kathleen gets to be 25, then I get to be five, okay? Because, <laughs> look, I'm somebody's mama, so I'm old, and I'm about to be hella old in all my references, and y'all just don't have to deal with it. Somebody else said goo goo gaga. I Listen, me and my daughter are the same age, okay? <laughs> don't at me. <laughs> okay. Well, then let's start off with that, Danielle, because I think, like, like you said, you're a new mom, and you might be shifting up your style and seeing what, you know, some of the youngins are doing. So what are the things that you're seeing, the throwbacks from the 90s that maybe we want to either bring back or you're like, nah, we retired those fully? <laughs> okay, okay, all right. I feel I have a very strong opinion about the youngins. The youngins are doing... It's taking me back to, like, the Clueless era, you know, like the very 90s grunge rock dirty jeans you know you know that 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 scene in clueless when she's like talking about how she doesn't like high school boys and they're all like long hair and they're and they have like the grungy jeans they look like they didn't take a shower but then there's also like the flip side of like the crop top and the baby doll dress and like you know and then and putting your baby doll dress with like your doc martens like i feel like that's a very very early 90s sort of like thing that folks would do and i've noticed that that the gen z because I'm I'm not I'm not a, I have a center part, but I'm not a Gen Zer. Um, <laughs> and I've noticed that the Gen Zers are really like that's that's what I'm seeing on their Pinterest boards. And I, I was supposed to take my little baby sister in law shopping, and she was showing me her her Pinterest board, and it's all full of like you know very grungy looks, but then also like super girly, super feminine like looks. In my personal opinion, those things can stay where they're at. Like, I'm just not rocking that right now because, like I said, I can't rock a baby doll dress when I'm holding a baby. That's just my, <laughs> that's just me, you know? And and that's no shame to anybody who's doing that. Like, shout out to the moms who are rocking baby doll dresses and, and their babies. I am, like, fully into the athleisure part of the pandemic. Like, I am, like... Full on, give me a nice, like, sweatsuit set that feels like pajamas but looks, like, very chic, okay? And it brings me back to the Juicy Couture mm-hmm. baby fat velour suit era. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I'd go back there in a heartbeat, you know? It was a little tough when, like, all of a sudden you'd be, like, 
in Burlington Coat Factory and then there was all types of like baby fat. But like, come on, let's bring baby fat. Baby fat is back, isn't it? Baby, yes. fat, is baby fat is baby fat is and, coming and back. And I think there's room for us to bring back the the velour suit. And like, Lord knows I had no business having the words juicy on my butt when I was <laughs> 11. But, <laughs> you know, now I feel like I'm in a stage of life where my butt could say juicy and I'm okay with that. So <laughs> I think I think velour sweatsuits have a good chance of coming back because we've all been wearing well not not me but a lot of people have been wearing like matching sweatsuits I in the house every during day. the pandemic. <laughs> same, so same. like there there's a market there I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. But to Danielle's point, yeah, I feel like the night. Well, to me, honestly, I feel like the '90s never really went away. I feel like the '90s in terms of style is that one era that kind of just like sticks around in some way, shape, or form. So like you know, in addition to everything Danielle just said, I'm also noticing kind of like the. Spice Girls-esque kind of vibe, like, on Pinterest and stuff. Like, the chunky sneakers and, like, the colorful streaks of hair. So, I don't know. I just, I guess everyone's just feeling kind of nostalgic for, uh, I don't know, mid-90s energy. See, but then I wonder, is it because, like, are we removed us. enough from the <laughs> 90s? Like, you know, like I, I agree with you, Stefan, that the 90s never went away. But I feel like Gen Z now has this, like, fascination with the 90s in the same mm. way that we did with the 80s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, all it's doing is making me feel old. Because I'm mm-hmm. like, y'all are just sampling songs that, like... Exactly. Like, came out when I was a kid. Like, I, I feel like my mom. I remember when, like, Diddy songs used to come on and my mom used to be like, what you know about that music? <laughs> So, <laughs> who is the like little rapper? And Lord knows I don't know because again, I'm old and I'm somebody's mama. But who's the little rapper that's out here like sampling T Pain or whatever? I'm like, y'all are sampling music that I listened to in college. You know what mm. I mean? So I feel like there's almost this like, this 90s nostalgia is almost a fascination for kids that were born in like the early aughts. You know what I mean? Like, in the same way that we barely missed the 80s like we missed like growing up in the 80s and so See, we had this what weird makes fascination me feel with old, it though is is that early 2000s like things that are having their 20 year anniversary this yes. year mm. or like the things that are coming back that were early 2000s yes. like early aughts the low rise jeans like that stuff Oof. it's like oh that's Ooh. coming back and i'm like wait a second i was just in high school <laughs> right Bringing my low-rise jeans in my backpack to school. Not in the on, backpack. <laughs> in my, it, it was called Civvies Day because I wore uniform. And so on, like, the last Friday of the month when I could wear whatever I wanted, Everybody. I would bring them in my backpack because they were so low. Yeah. You could see things that nobody wants their daughter to see. Hey man, hey So I'd have to hide it from my shout parents. Out, <laughs> shout out to all the Catholic school girls that had dressed down there because I did the same thing. I did right. the same thing. But you know, it's a, I don't have a body for for for, for low-rise jeans no more. Ain't nobody trying to... You don't... Y'all don't need to see my... Nothing. <laughs> but that's the thing. Also, I can't like low rise jeans. Who who can? Like I said, like unless you're Britney Spears in the like slave for you video, which absolutely no shade because Britney shout out to Britney and fab to Britney mind her damn business, and I appreciate you for that. But Killed like. It. Who who who's gonna do be doing that right now? And I feel like that's also something that's changed, like our conception of like celebrity and like what they're wearing and what that looks like. Like I'm not trying to emulate those same people anymore. Nor again do any of you want to see me try. I mean, I'm still if Rihanna, like okay, okay, okay. So the low rise jeans are coming back, right? And we're all like, no, I would never go back there. I do not. 
I didn't have a baby and I still do not have the body to rock a low-rise <laughs> jean anymore. You be, my fupa would be hanging out of those jeans. But, Come on, fupa. <laughs> right? But I love a trend. And I'm wearing mom jeans now and I said I would never wear those. Mm-hmm. So if Rihanna's rocking mm. a low-rise jean and I see that, I might try to do it. Against my better I, judgment. Ooh, <laughs> I that, see, okay, that's I love that you make that point about Rihanna though, because I feel like to Chelsea's point, there's so much more diversity as far as like what celebrities are rocking what trends, right? And I think the thing about Rihanna is like as a black woman, I identify with her as a Caribbean girl, as a girl in my 30s, like I, I, Rihanna and I are the same age. We have very, I'd like to think, very similar energy. And so if I see her rock something, I'm like, oh, Rihanna could do it. I could do it. And as a person who was a huge Britney fan back in the day and who leaned and sync no Backstreet Boys, don't at me. Yep. I, we can I talk after, but that's fine. <laughs> Agreed, uh, Steph. Steph, are you kidding? BSB was, was, okay, they were not the OG because we know New Edition was the OG. Listen, but, right. BSB was the OG. NSYNC was the group for black people. Okay, I'm just saying it. Wow, Correct. okay. Correct. I was, the first ba- Backstreet, Backstreet Boys, Boys album? Backstreet Boys never made it on 106 track? and Park. They never they made never it on 106 had, and they Park. Had no I sauce. don't disagree. No I sauce. also rocked with NSYNC, but I'm just saying you got to give BSB their due. I also rocked with NSYNC. Oh, yeah, I'll but, give it to them. I'll give it to them. But I would. I was at a point in life where I would fight somebody on the street if it was it was BSB <laughs> and NSYNC, and I was NSYNC all day. All day Absolutely. before Justin Timberlake came and stole my dreams away. But... <laughs> That's another story for another day. <laughs> but like Steph story. said it best, who was on a previous episode, who was beatboxing over beats and no one asked for it? Like okay. that, that's, <laughs> that's the bonus content Truly. that NSYNC gave you Truly. whether you asked for it or not. <laughs> NSYNC, NSYNC came with very black energy. I'm just letting yes, y'all know right exactly. now. But as a, as a girl who as was a saying. huge Britney fan, there was a limit to how much I could identify with her, right? Like she's a little like skinny blonde girl. I can't really identify with that. But what I love about the celebrities and the trends now is there's so much diversity in who, you know, is is rocking the trends and who's representing. You know, there's not, you can have gender fluidity. You could have, you know, body, you see, you see trends on different body types. And I love that. Like, I love that now as a girl who has a little bit more hips in my 30s, I can see something on somebody like Rihanna and be like, oh, okay, I could rock that. And it doesn't necessarily have to, be me trying to fit into, you know, a baby spice box because I'm not built like baby spice. You know what I mean? And so I, I I think that, you know, the kids, the kids are all right in that they just have a, a bit more representation in a way that we didn't. Yeah, that's very, very true. And I think also, though, I, I get caught up in that because Danielle, I'm like, yes, absolutely. That's correct. And then I'm like, well, maybe I can wear jeans on top of jeans under a jean crop top uh, and hold a glass <laughs> of wine on the street like Rihanna. You know, like you got to be careful about the kind of Rihanna confidence that you walk out true. with. Because sometimes not everyone is ready for that Rihanna level confidence, you know? Amen, and you just amen. have to amen. you have to put out a disclaimer like, yeah, I'm hopping up in the Zoom with this. What about it? <laughs> Like, that's fine. Don't have the album, but I have a look. I, just no shade again. Love you. Love there you, will be, There will be no album. There will Literally. be no album. She Love gives, you, though. She doesn't care. She doesn't no, care she, about us. She does not care about us, which is fair because okay. it, it yeah. is. I, listen, I, honestly, at this point, I hope she never drops it. I really, I, like, only because of her autonomy. Like, I want her to have her autonomy more than I want us to get her music. It's like, I want her to be a bad bitch and do whatever she wants. I want her to respond in the comments and be like, y'all are never getting this album. 
Because I yes. just think that I'm here for the energy. You know what I mean? I'm here for the music whenever she wants to give it to us. But I am very here for the energy. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, if Ariana, like, I'm personally the type of person, if you ask me to do something I'm not ready to do too many times, I just won't do it just to spite you. If she never drops it, like, it, I can't be mad. I'm like, I feel you. I see you. Like, that is yes. absolutely it. Here. That is absolutely <laughs> it. That's like, I'm just never going to do it. Don't, the, the easiest way to get me to not do something is to try to keep asking me to do something. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. And that is also like when we talk about trends, like, okay, they're the trends that you know are popping off like they used to in the 90s and the early aughts, as you said, Danielle. Yes. But like we're we're not subscribing and we never have. When we think about again, like the like wet seals, the Charlotte Russes, yes. like those, like, okay, you know, you have a meeting and you gotta hop over and just figure something out, stitch it together. Maybe a button fell off, that's someone else's problem. You put a cardigan <laughs> over it and and that's what you gotta do. But like I feel like we're at a stage now where we've definitely outgrown that. And even when I was like 20, 21, I was like, I don't know about this. I don't know if I'm picking up what they're putting down what they're selling me. And I feel like that's something now that the Gen Zers are hyper aware of, too, when we think about now versus back then. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I think the pandemic has also affected that, too, right? Because we are not going out as much as we once were. And we are now at a stage in the in the panorama when you're being really conscious about like where you're going. Like, you know, outside is sort of starting to open up a little bit for folks. And I think you're thinking long and hard about like, where am I going and what am I wearing? And if you're like me and you spent a lot of the pandemic deal, dealing with your pandemic depression by just shopping, um, you know, you have a lot of stuff that you're like, okay, I, I, you you curated stuff a lot more. At least I think I have. I've thought about my wardrobe a lot more than I did when, like, you know, maybe really quickly I needed to run across the street to, like, H&M or Zara and buy a shirt or, you know, a pair of pants really quickly and not really thinking about how much money am I investing in fast fashion and, like, how does that, you know, well, how is that at, at odds with my, like, personal feelings about it? Mm. I feel that so hard. Like I used to, yeah, I used to be like, I have to get this new thing for whatever event was that night. Like I got to go run across the street. I have to have every trend. And as much as we talked about, I love a trend. I do think that like being older, not feeling like I need to be up on every single trend. And then also trying to be more cognizant of where I'm putting my dollars, putting my money, where my values are. For sure. That's something that like can stay in the early 2000s is me sh- fast fashion shopping, buying the new trend every five minutes. And I, I also think when we talk about like fast fashion and spending, I don't know what I thought I was doing at, you know, age 22, 23 spending money. I did not have either. No like, monies. J- n- no monies. Like for minor ducats, if we're giving real <laughs> clueless references here. <laughs> for minor ducats. Minor had, ducats. You know, and I was just spending it, turning it around on like fashion things and like maybe a cab at 3 a.m. Again, that's my oh, business. Listen, yes. But <laughs> amen, you know, amen. I feel like that's also one of the things that like back then I didn't have, but now I'm trying to get better at is like financial like literacy. And like for the first time, I feel like I shared this guys with you like last early season two. Like this pandemic was the first time that I like balanced my checkbook and like 
talked about like, okay, what is actually going out versus what is going in? And I think that's also something that like when we think about the things we're giving back and the things that are important to us, I'm like, my priorities have shifted, obviously, as they should. But like, that's one of the things I know when I'm thinking about finances, career pathing. I think a lot of people also in this pandemic, you know, have had to do, uh, make shifts for their own, right? Whether that's voluntarily, like going back to school, right? Or thinking about a career shift or whether that's out of necessity and you just gotta, you know, take a job that you need to pay for your like expenses and your family. Like there are a lot of things I think that as we reprioritize in this pandemic, we're gonna see, and I'm continuing to see some of those throwbacks to like, all right, like, Let's just go back to basics, sort of. Right, mm. right, right. Yeah, right. that that resonates so much with me. Like we're talking about, Danielle was saying that she's kind of been coping with the pandemic by shopping more. I kind of have been shopping less, to be honest. I think part of that is because like I'm not really going places a lot. And then also to your point, Chelsea, saying that you want to be more conscious about like where the money is going. If I am spending money on clothes or accessories or anything like, like that, I'm thinking about like what businesses my money is going to. So I can honestly say, with the exception of, like, one huge bulk order that I did online, like, last year, any item of clothing that I've bought during this time has been from, like, a local, like, Black-owned business, whether Mm. it's a clothing store or a vintage shop or a home goods store, because, you know, I just moved. Like, all of my money is going to Black businesses. Yeah. I mean, I think we've gotten so much more conscious about where our money goes and how we're spending. Throughout this pandemic— people had to think about whether or not they were still going to have jobs. You know, like, I think you you had to discern whether or not you could work from home. A lot of women have left the, the workforce because of childcare. You know, I know for us in media, there was a point in time when, like, it was like, you know, I might get cut. I don't know what the structure of this newsroom is and am I absolutely necessary? You know, I think before, you know, the sort of, like, social awakening or, like, racial reckoning, you know, before that, there was certainly, as for me, as a person who's always worked in Black media, I definitely had to stop and ask myself, like, let me make sure that I'm, and I, I 100% think that Black media is incredibly valuable, but the question is, like, are my bosses going to feel like it's valuable, right? So I think there were a lot of us who had to really reckon with whether or not we would even have jobs this time last year, you know, as companies sort of tightened their belt and tried to, like, financially figure out how to get through the unknown. None of us knew how long this was even going to last. None of us knew that we'd find a way to do our jobs from home completely, you know, a year later. And so, you know, we all had to really think about, like, how am I spending my money And let me make sure I'm still going to have a paycheck. Let me make sure I'm still going to have money to actually spend. Like, let me, let me be more invested in, you know, in investing than, you know, investing my money than I am in spending my money. And so I think, you know, the pandemic, at least for me, came across at a, at a chapter in my life where it was really time for me to think about those things. Whereas in my twenties, like, Y'all, I did not care. Like, if I could, to your point, Chelsea, if I could get home in a cab at 3 a.m. and it meant, like, getting back to my bed safely after a night of drinking, fine. And if I was choosing between a sweater and dinner, it often went to the sweater. The sweater. <laughs> always. I always chose the sweater. Why? That's correct. Pizza is 99 cents in New York. Listen, All right. I would get a listen, soup, like, the... I would, the- Paper, paper, that ramen, ramen, the ramen, 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 ramen
Exactly. I would, hit, I would hit a dollar slice and a ramen noodle, but I'd have a cute pair of shoes on my exactly. feet. Exactly. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> Again, priorities. <laughs> we had them. And also, I think, like, when you think about these things and when you think about, like, all right, like, what was I doing during that time? What are we doing in our homes, like, all day sitting in front of our computers? I think one of the other things that we think about, like, throwbacks-wise is music. Like, mm-hmm. hands down. Yes. Again, like, whether it's that whatever's playing at 3 a.m. in your cab, like, I still remember, you know? Again, those, like, T-Pain hits that you're like, well, I don't know if we have the royalties to that, so I'm not going to go into it. Don't do it, You know, like, or the, you remember that song, like, damn, that was the first song I grinded to in middle school, you know, at the middle school dance. Too close. Exactly. Like, leave room for the Holy Ghost. coming through, and then I got it. I was like, oh, that's the poke. You're getting kind of close. On you. Exactly. Yes. And all those songs that we were like, wow, I really did not even know listen, what was happening. Listen. The, our parents let us, I guess, listen to, I guess, the like proto WAP era. <laughs> but like some of those songs were even dirtier. Oh, frankly. there are a lot of songs. There are a lot of songs I had no business singing to. None. Shout out to SWV and Escape. And their incredible verses. There are a lot of their songs that I'm like, girl, you have no, like, no, you cannot be talking about taking nobody's man. Like, what are you talking? <laughs> like, sit down somewhere. Like, this is, I mean, we could go on for days. Jodeci songs, no business singing Jodeci songs None. at all. Like, at all. But at, absolutely not. There are just so many R&B, like, 90s throwbacks that I'm now, like, I belt the words out to. But if my daughter uttered one of those words, she would, like... I would rinse her mouth out. Her mouth out with soap immediately. One hundred percent. And even like, if you throw it back even further, when you think like, I always think of like woman to woman. Remember that song? That oh, was like yes. an auntie song. Yes, this is Shirley. Are you going to do if you're going to come out of a bag? But he's fine <laughs> from the top of his head to the bottom of his toes. His <laughs> car note. I pay that. <laughs> so real. I. You I know what? You know what I feel that way with. Uh, the song Superwoman by Karen White because let me tell you something I used to sing that song like I had three (laughs) jobs five kids and a husband child talking about I put breakfast on the table (laughs) you say the juice is sour it used to be so sweet like like I truly sang that song like I was really out here orchestrating somebody's whole life like I'm like (laughs) I'm not your superwoman. Like, I was like eight. Like, of course I'm not your superwoman because I am i don't even know how to, like, write in full sentences yet. Like, what are you talking about? Like, Literally, like, your mom's like, can you please get in the car? We have soccer practice. Right, like, right. <laughs> I can't, I can't like, fix breakfast because I didn't finish my homework. Like, what, what are you talking about? You ain't nobody superwoman, but I was singing that song, belting it out, okay? Like, I truly, like, somebody hurt me. Somebody scorned me at all of seven or eight years old truly it just the the 90s like r&b girls like that music it just hit different though like it really did and i don't know again if that was because we were eight and we had no business singing it or if it was just like just real (laughs) like because i still listen to it today i'm like okay well yeah i mean there's something (laughs) there's something so iconic about that and that's why you're seeing such a like recurrence of it right that's why you're seeing tiana taylor recreate the Mary J. Blige and Method Man, 
you know, you're all I need video. Like that's an iconic video. Like it takes you back to this really dope time in life. And Method Man still looks just as good mm-hmm. as he did in the video in like 95 or whatever year that was. Like, and he, this man, Lord, still looks just as good as he did. There's something so like, you know, it takes you back to a really awesome place. There's an allure of an of nostalgia. Um, mm-hmm. You know, whether it was, you know, to your point, Chelsea, music can take you back to a time in your life so quickly. Like you hear a chord from a song and you're automatically like back in college or you're back at, you know, you hear too close and you're back in that at that party, like feeling mm-hmm. a little poke coming through. You know, I think, <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it just takes you back and there's something about that time period that feels really iconic to us. We look back on it and we realize some of the history that was being made when we didn't even know. Mm-hmm. And I think there's an, in a sense, attached to like the songs that come out in your like adolescence slash like high school years, there's just a, there was less responsibility, right? Like I know that not everyone has a great adolescent or high school time, but those songs, like everything was just so intense. And yeah, we were feeling that music, even if we hadn't experienced our first heartbreak or that music bit was the soundtrack to our first heartbreak. And mm. so then when you listen to it now and it takes you right back there, it does yes. something to you. Like, I'm sure there's some science that I don't know that is like, will tell you what what in the brain, what chemicals are, you know, set off when yes. you hear that music. But that's definitely part of it. And I also think there's, to go back to the Gen Z kids, there's just like a cool factor to mm. that era as well. For us, it's like we're going back and remembering and thinking about that first heartbreak or whatever, that first love. Yeah. And then for the Gen Z kids... They're being like, oh, wow, that era. Like, I know nothing about it. Yes, that's so yeah. cool. Yeah, that's real. And also, like, you know, not to knock the R&B singers, like, of today, but, like, niggas was still, like, singing in the rain. Like, you know, <laughs> videos back then. Listen, like, you know, like, look, like sli- doing the wall slide. Like, look. it's just something, like... Yo. There, there, there's, there's, there's like a cathartic element that, mm. that I feel is missing from not all R and B today because you have like the hers of the world who I think like she puts a lot of emotion to her music. But well, the women are doing their thing. It's the men. Yeah, it's the absolutely. men. Shout out to Hunter Harris. Men are in their flop era. She said that first, <laughs> and I agree. Hey, I love that. <laughs> I mean, no, that's a fact. I mean, black women have single handedly held together R and B as a genre, particularly mm. over the last year. But you're, you're right, Steph. I mean, like you remember when like. R&B songs, like, like, folks used to beg for sex on R&B songs. Yes. Right? Like, nobody, like, begs anymore. Like, nobody's like, baby, baby, please. They were vulnerable. Like, they put themselves out there. Like, I don't that. care how pitiful I look. I need what <laughs> right. I need. Somebody need you to give it to me. They ain't too proud to beg. <laughs> right? Baby, please, oh. just come back. Just come back. <laughs> oh, my God. Now I'm thinking of um, Dwayne. On a different world, oh, baby. Please. Oh, please. Oh, please. Oh. See, that is one of the best scenes in television. Oh, yeah, it, ooh, ever, it is. Ever so single, good. like one of the single best scenes to ever grace the te- our television screens. Like true ooh, bars, like ooh. truly. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about, of course, when uh, Dwayne crashes Whitley's wedding. Yes, 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 and poor and poor Byron who then went on to, to try to save the world in scandal and, and be part of B613 or whatever it's called. <laughs> right. I don't remember. Something fake from Shonda. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. But I think but that, that's, that's because Whitley broke his heart, child. Yes. 
<laughs> they are the same character. One hundred percent. That's his origin later. story. Yes. 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 That is, and listen, we need to quit talking because that's a script. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you got Netflix's number. Call up. <laughs> Listen, Netflix, <laughs> let's talk, let's talk. But, but it's so true, and I think, like, it's so funny because when you mention that scene, we're all like, ooh, like, that is it. But yes. I think if we saw that today, mm-hmm. and if the Gen Zers saw that today, mm-hmm. and if, again, like, they're looking at some of the shows and some of the songs that we know today that we still love and rock with, but, like, uh, it's quite problematic. I, yeah. I don't... If I saw that on a TV show today, I'd be like, what is this mess? Like, what are you doing? Sit down and, like, <laughs> go live your life somewhere else. She does not want you. <laughs> you know? And I think that that's so different when we think about, like, the music of the 90s, which was, like, me or no one else. Or, mm. you know, I'm going to, like, jump into a river of despair, literally. Yeah. Versus now when it's like, all right, you're my best friend, and we're going to keep it pushing. <laughs> well, there was a novelty to it, too, right? Like, I think there's something about the fact that there was a, a a time and space when, like, you didn't, going back to our conversation about representation, it was rare to see that. I wrote a story about Whitley a couple of years ago for The Undefeated, and, and I interviewed the uh, costume designer, and one of the things she said was that, like, it was really rare, rare to see a Black woman in a wedding dress at that point on television. Mm, so wow. I think that does contribute to the, the iconicness of it. But I agree with you, Chelsea, in that, like, some of it you look at today and you're like, what, what is happening? Like, what, what, I would never. Like, I would, this is not okay. <laughs> but, you know, we look back, I feel that way about waiting to exhale. Now, mm. I, I got to okay. talk okay. about this. I got to go here, y'all. I got to go here because <laughs> I, I will venture to say there is no bigger waiting to exhale fan. I know every line of that movie ever, okay? Ever. All right? I know that. Guess what, John? You're the motherfucking improper influence. Get your <laughs> And get out, okay? I love, and my, shout out to my husband whose name is John. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> but I love, there is apparently supposed to be a Waiting to Exhale reboot coming out directed by Lee Daniels. And I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I just don't, I don't know how I feel about it for several reasons. My first reason being Whitney. I just feel like mm. we can't mm. do anything without her. Not that the, it, I don't believe that the reboot is supposed to pick up. It's not supposed to be a sequel. I do know, I remember that once upon a time before Whitney passed, there was supposed to be a sequel. And then obviously that was no longer going to happen after her death. But I just feel like anything that feels like she should be associated with it makes me a little sad. It's just like, damn, like Whitney should be here for this. And from, I I believe, reported, what reports are saying is that the cast will make cameos, I think, in this new reboot. And I do want to see Bernie. Listen, I want to see Bernie, okay? Mm -hmm. I want to see Bernie. I want to see John and his white woman where they at, okay? (laughs) Because I'm sure he left her ass too. Yes. But that, the first thing is it just makes me sad. The second is if I really, again, huge fan, but way to do exhale is trifling and traumatic, child. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not right. <laughs> like, we, I mean, the stuff that women, those women are going through, and granted, it, it shows that, like, you know, as Black women, we can be beat down, we can go through so much and still have these beautiful friendships and still prevail. But 
I do think one of the things that we can leave back in the 90s is this idea that A, our lives have to be centered around men and B, that these black that black women's stories have to be the sad, traumatic, he left me for a white woman, he's gay. He like if we really think about like the aspects of like misogyny and homophobia that are entrenched in that storyline, I'm okay with leaving that back there. I don't know. I don't know if I want it. I don't know. I don't know if I want it. So, okay, I'm... Argue with me, I, I want it. Argue with me. Argue <laughs> I want me. it, D. No, I'm not Come with on. you. I think, <laughs> because I think all of those reasons that you just listed, aside from Whitney, I think you're right in that if it was a sequel, they could not do that without mm-hmm. Whitney Houston. But if this is a reboot or a reimagining with the Waiting to Excel energy, it's about Black female friendship... I think all of those reasons, all of the things that do not hold up are a reason to reboot it. Are all, mm. Why I want to see Waiting to Excel set in 2021 with this 2021 energy where we want to be focused on Black joy. We don't want our stories to be rooted in men or in trauma. And so if that's the promise, a Waiting to Excel that doesn't make me cringe at certain scenes as much mm-hmm. as I still love them. Yeah. I'm there. I don't know if I trust Lee Daniels to do that. Amen. Well, <laughs> but I'm there. You know, <laughs> right, and right. that's a great point because I think, like, one, like you said, Danielle, like, no one was in therapy in that movie, and no they need one. to be like <laughs> expeditiously. Nobody was like, in therapy. Like, <laughs> no one, and, like, respectfully, expeditiously, y'all need truly. to get into therapy. <laughs> like, okay, asexually. Yes. All of y'all, <laughs> Robin, Robin, Bernie, Savannah, all y'all need to be up in therapy. <laughs> truly. <laughs> I'm like, uh, you've just committed a felony. <laughs> like, I, do you need to like, get your front yard? Car, but, yeah, on your front yard. Like, I'm going to call a lawyer first before I like be like, yeah, girl, you got it. It is trash. Yeah. It is trash. Okay. Exactly. And I feel like one of those things, though, to your point about like, okay, if we want this reboot, which, no, thank you. But if we do, like, who do we want to do it? And I think, like, that to me is, like, one of the questions when we think about the things that we're leaving and the things that we want to keep here, right, Right, in this time and some of the storytelling that we know worked so well in the 90s that we want to bring back now. Let me say what I do admire from your perspective, Kathleen, is, like, we can want it all and we should be able to want it all, right? Like, we shouldn't have to pick and choose between our Black stories and what gets told. I think my question about something like waiting to exhale is like, do, can we, am I okay with just the evolved version of, of, of what that storytelling looks like today? Right? Like, I feel like insecure has like insecure waiting to exhale crawled. So insecure could run. Right. Mm. And it's like, we now, we had these stories of black women, this Terry, the Terry McMillan esque stories of black women that have now very much evolved. We have black women telling very different types of stories, you know, the Stella got her groove back is no longer, you know, whatnot. Again, you take the uh, storyline like Gloria's ex-husband being gay, right? Mm-hmm. And and then you 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 uh, modernize it to when Molly dated that guy who was bisexual, right? Mm. So it's like we're having an evolved conversation about that. And so my question is, do I want to see Gloria have that experience or do I just want a new character who represents society's evolution, our community's evolution. I don't know. I'm, I'm putting that question out there without necessarily saying, 
whether or not I have the answer to it. I will tell you what I will take. I'll take another uh, score and uh, soundtrack by Babyface, please. And thank you. Yes. yes. I'm just saying, do we need it? Do we need it? I mean, l- listen, I don't think we need it. But again, I'm going to say I want it all. So mm. all the white stuff is getting rebooted, right? Mm. You know, we're seeing True. the Saved by the Su- Saved by the Bell. True. Everyone wants a Friends reunion, whatever. Mm. Like all True. the things are getting rebooted. So True. if they're rebooting, rebooting all of the things, reboot our stuff too. True. And True. I will be there and I will watch it. But I also want the original stories. You're right. I want to see the 2021 uh, stories by Black women, by Black creators who are our mm. age, who are making work that is incredible. Absolutely. But if you're going to reboot everything else, you can reboot our our stories as well. And we will show up and babyface do the soundtrack. And Debbie Allen, if you're listening, we'd love another different world. Yes. Oh, my God. A different world set in 2021? I mean, Whitley and Dwayne's kids would absolutely be at Hillman right now. Just saying. Oh, that is so true. Danielle, call your people. Put me me in that writer's room. Put me in that writer's room. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a real different world. Like, that's going to be just, we just bring it back like that. And I feel right. like that's like, that is just what we're looking for, right? Like, the chance to be able to do that, right? And to, like, do new stories, to make mistakes also, and get the chance to, like, do that over or start another story so that we can then have our choice and have that, like, choice to consume what we want and what, like, resonates for us. Yes, yes. I think, uh, Kathleen, you made a really great point in that, speaking of things that, energy that I would keep is like that for us, by us nature of of the 90s content, you know, that we once had. It was just like, there there was television, you know, UPN felt like it belonged to Black people. Like, Mm. it was like, I don't know that I know, like, I know that white people watch those shows, but that network felt like it was for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And there, there's something about, you know, Jodeci music. There's something about, like, 90s R&B, that old, that old television, that old entertainment that felt like it was just for us. Like, the lyrics are not even meant for... Like, white people don't even know. You're going to have to Google to really, like... Mm-hmm. You know, like, and that's why I think one of the, one of the reasons, like, some of those throwback verses have been so successful because there's something so specific to us about the lyrics, the beats, the references, you know, that that feel like that it belongs to us. It's not. It's only for us. It's not for anybody else. And and I'm sure that there were white people that listened to that music and watched those shows, but they there were maybe some references that were lost on them that were never lost on us in the same way that like, you know, we had to understand the the Friends references. We had to, you know, understand the like, the weird things that like seemed very normal to our white friends. But for us, I think there's a lot of music and movies and, and television in the 90s that felt like it wasn't for anybody else but Black people. Mm. And I think the difference... Danielle, is that is the creators didn't seem like they cared if the mm. white people didn't get it. Yeah. Like they were making it for us. And it was yeah. like, oh, cool. Bonus. If y'all right. are watching it too, but this is not for you. And I yes. I think right now, with the exception of like an insecure, I think the energy is this can be for everyone. And I'm not necessarily even saying this is that bad. Mm. 
Actually, yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's better. It's better to just mm-hmm. make your make it for your audience. Be true to your characters. Let them talk how they want to talk, and let it be for us. And mm-hmm. I think that with the conversations we're having in Hollywood about inclusivity and having more black characters, it then mm-hmm. becomes a oh, this has to fit a, a mainstream, and let's then educate white people in this, the in the course of this story. And so then it doesn't feel like it's for us anymore, even right. if you have that quote-unquote representation, right? That right, representation right, representation right. might be there, but that black character feels like they're talking to a white person. Right, mm. right, right. that's right. what it feels like sometimes watching television or black characters on television now, mm. as mm. opposed to back in the 90s. Mm. And there's so many things that we're not going to keep about 90s television. So right. many things that we've already talked about. But one of the things I want to keep or bring back is that energy of this is for us. It is by us. And we don't care if white people don't get it. We know they will be because they're always taking notes and then turning <laughs> it around. And be like, but wait, right. we Facts. just did that five years ago. Facts. Yeah, living Facts. single. Like we just, do you know what? I, like new edition. Talk about it. Like, Talk about it. All of these things are like we know you're watching and writing notes. So, right. like, why don't we just make it for us and not worry about anything else? Right. I think that's the brilliant thing about insecure is that insecure feels very much for us. I don't know that, like, yeah. you know a white person could watch Insecure without, like, needing to, like, look up some references in, like, mm-hmm. Urban Dictionary. You know what I mean? It feels very much like, I'm like, for real. Yeah. Like, it, it really feels like, it's like, this is a story told by someone who looks like me, by someone who shares my experience. This is for me. And, mm-hmm. like, cool, you can watch it, but it doesn't necessarily, it's not going to resonate with you or reflect your experience the way that it will reflect mine. And and I and you're right. Like we we don't get that often enough. And so yeah, I think we deserve it. I think we deserve it and and and, and I'd love to see us have it in the same way we did in the 90s. Mm. We deserve Okay, with that, okay. And with that, we have reached the end of our, like, amazing discussion today. People, I'm just, like, gritting from ear to ear. But we ain't finished talking because we have reached, arguably, the best part of this podcast, the almost famous Don't At Me. Okay, Don't At Me, if you haven't heard. Ties a bow on the discussion, gives us some food for thought, and leaves our listeners with some of that queen energy we've been talking about all season. And in case you need a reminder, you can't add us, okay? Nothing. Nunca. None. Nine. No. Heart emoji. Okay? And we have our OG in the building for this Don't At Me. And as her fave, Nene Leek said, I want to just bring that back. Okay? Just remember. What is that, Danielle? I said what I said. Okay? (laughs) So keep that in mind and take it away, Danielle. The last year has left us all longing for another time and place. And since we don't know what the future holds, it's so much easier to cling to the past. The allure of nostalgia seems to be everywhere, from fashion to film, from a throwback versus battle to a series reboot. But as we yearn for the simple joys from back in the day, we must also realize just how much the past has taught us. As Black women, we've realized over time that collaboration is way stronger than competition and that it's easier to hold our sister's hand than it is to steal her man. We've learned that that energy 
that this entertainment belongs to us and only us is an energy that we could have then, now, and really forever. As we look back and we remember and we want the foundations of the past, we have to remember to take those lessons and look forward and keep it moving. Let's take the things we've learned from back in the day when it was simple, when we were young and now we're not kids anymore, but let's be adults. Let's take a step forward and take those lessons. Let's use that energy that this is for us and by us, that we've created this content, that we are the arbiters of the culture. Let's infuse that into the future, whether we know it or not. What we do know is that Black people have always been the creators of culture, and we will continue to do just that. Don't at me. It's like it's not your first rodeo. You know? <laughs> I was like, I don't know, y'all. It's like you created this podcast. <laughs> This season, we're powering our purpose, living our passions, and reminding ourselves that we are the queens we worship every day. From the tools we need to be our best selves to the energy we deserve to make those dreams a reality, we are Black beyond measure. Target is investing in the success of Black creators with their year-round platform and dedicated support. Head over to Target.com slash Black beyond measure to learn more about how to power opportunities for our success. very special episode today. It is only fitting that we have a very, very special guest with us. Misa Hilton. Misa has been at the forefront of culture, hip-hop, music, fashion, style, the legacies we all know, love, listen to, and jam to from the 90s to today. She styled legends like Jodeci, Mary J, Missy, Lil' Kim. You know that outfit. Yup. Yep. The multi-talented Misa is also behind the Misa Hilton Fashion Academy. She's a global creative partner of the luxury design house MCM and a certified life coach, okay? And now she has teamed up with Macy's for Icons of Style, a collab that allows Black creatives to be visionaries behind some of Macy's most popular brands. We are so honored to have you here with us, Misa. Welcome to Go Off, Sis. Thank you. Thank you Welcome. for having me. Yes. And I wanted to start out, as I said, at GoOffsis, we just like to make sure that we're giving the credentials. You know, we're showing that what we're talking about is past, present, future. And Mm -hmm. you are someone, I think, who really represents that and who has really shown that throughout your career and your choices. And I want to step back a little bit because you really helped to redefine hip-hop culture and fashion. And I recently saw the Netflix documentary, Hip Hop the Remix, that you starred in um, with, shout out to Lisa Cortez, who is yes. the best. Oh, yes. love her. Hey, Lisa. Uh, Lisa and Farah. Yes, yeah. Lisa and Farah, who are just mm-hmm. dope women in their own right. Absolutely. Um, and, and in the opening scenes, I've watched this like four times, um, you're wearing a shirt that says ghetto until proven fashionable. Yeah. And you're in a beauty supply store and you said, we create the culture, but don't participate in the longevity of it. And right. I just, I would love you to talk a little bit more about 
what you meant with that and how that for you was something that, you know, you had to deal with in, in the 90s and now to today when it comes mm-hmm. to building this culture, but not necessarily being able to to participate in the longevity of it, like you said. Right. Well, what I meant is exactly what I said, literally. Mm. Okay. Literally. <laughs> Nothing hidden in that sentence. But to expand a bit on what the experience has been, you know, we are people who have so much swagger and style and ingenuity and high energy. And so what we create is always, is something that people gravitate to. It's something that people want to make their own. It's so fly, it's so flavor that they want to take it and act like it was theirs. And so in the 90s, that was very easy to do. You know, we were at the beginning of what was to be a shift, okay? It was the beginning of a shift and we're still within the shift, but it's shifting now where we can see some change. And so being at the beginning of it, we didn't even have a voice or a leg to stand on to begin to fight for what was ours, if that makes sense. It didn't seem like it was possible. It didn't seem like we would ever win. It didn't seem like we would have a voice. We couldn't always come together collectively to amplify our voices because it may affect someone else's opportunity Mm. with a different group of people, which is sad in itself. You know what I mean? But when you, just to be real, when you talk about someone having to go out on the line to sacrifice their livelihood and how they take care of their family and all that is real, you know? So we were in a situation where the time was about to change, but we were at the beginning of it and it wasn't easy to watch it happen. I actually was talking to someone yesterday and they said, well, how did you feel when you would see your fashion or things that looks and images that you created being emulated in high fashion? I said, you know what's so crazy? I actually was like, wow, Hmm. I felt Hmm. honored at first which is crazy, right? I felt honored. I felt like, wow, my ideas were so great that they like them and they're emulating them. And then as I grew in the, as a young person, because remember I started 17, 18, 19. So I'm very, very young. So I'm like, wow, Vogue likes my stuff. Or, you know, this group of people likes what I'm doing. And it didn't seem like it was possible or that I could ever be credited for it. Does that even make sense? Wow. Like, can you even see, like, that's how crazy it was back then. And for a young black woman such as myself. So it's almost like, and I gave this example, <laughs> it, it, it's pretty raw, but slaves, right? They didn't think that they could go to school with white people one day, did they? They couldn't even see that far. They were like, oh, whatever little education I could get. Or we got to be amongst each other. And that's it. I can't, I don't even have the foresight to imagine Mm. where we will be able to go as black people. I won't be a slave one day. I won't be under the thumb of someone. I won't be controlled. I'll actually be able to integrate. They couldn't even understand that. So it's kind of like the same thing. You don't even think it's a possibility. So to fast forward to where we are today, a lot has changed and we do now have more opportunity than ever before to participate and demand that we are a part of the longevity of the things that we create in the culture. 
and organizations like Harlem's Fashion Row, Black and Fashion Council, myself through education with the Mies Elton Fashion Academy, we are all collectively coming together, amplifying our voices and saying enough is enough and doing what we have to do to protect, educate, empower, showcase and celebrate Black creatives. Wow. And I was just actually going to ask you sort of like, when you think about that, that now when you were like, wow, this is so great, right? But then realizing, mm-hmm. wait, they're just taking everything I've done and <laughs> putting a, a, jacking up the prices and I'm yes. not getting any of that, right. any of that money, let yeah. alone the credit. Yeah. But when you think about that and when you think about sort of you evolving past that, right? And realizing, wait, that's mine. <laughs> when you right. think about that, like, was that hard for you to sort of start saying like, no, I want credit for this. Like, what did that sort of look like for you to develop that voice? Yeah, I think that the first disappointment was people who looked like me that were in high places that could have Mm. made corrections or pulled me in and made sure that I had a voice and an opportunity did not do so. And that's another conversation for another time. Once we get over this first hurdle, we got to go inside to, to keep it a buck. So I was disappointed first by that. And then I was just a creator. You know, I just wanted to create. My head was to the to my work. I didn't do this to become famous. I really didn't do it for credit, if that makes sense. You know, I just wanted to create. I wanted to style my styling work. My fashion stories were my art. And I kept having opportunities to do that. And they were successful and people gravitated to, towards them. And as a young fashion style was early in my career, that was enough for me. I did not have a mentor. I did not have anyone to guide me or to show me the path that I was on. And I had to, I was like creating a path, you know? So a lot of things I just didn't think about, but to fast forward as I became, as I matured in this business and became an entrepreneur and a businesswoman, absolutely. It was important to me to get my credit and for all people that look like me to get our credit. But who are we going to go to? HR? What are we going to do? Write Vogue a letter? (laughs) Where are we going to go? We didn't have social media. Mm. But what you going to do? Go in front of, you know, like, Mm. so it was really fucked up. I cannot curse. (laughs) Go off. (laughs) Go off, sis. So I want to talk about the creations. And Mm -hmm. you just mentioned the stories that you've told through your style. And you've styled everyone from Mary J to Lil' Kim to Missy, all of our faves. And you've talked about meeting them where they are. And so I want you to talk about why that's been important to you when it comes to styling Black women in fashion specifically. And what story are you trying to tell through their style. And it's amazing because every single one of them has such distinct styles Mm -hmm. and you've told their stories through Mm -hmm. their clothing. So yeah, can you speak to that more? Yeah, so, you know, for me, my process is really getting to know my client and getting to know the person, getting to know the artist, how that's different, but getting to know both people. We all have our alter ego. We have our work persona and we have the persona that is a little bit more sacred. I'm very receptive and I'm very observant. So I listen 
with my eyes and my ears and all my senses. And I really take in the person who they are. And if it's a musician, like the queens that you just named, my good girlfriends, I listen to the music and I get to understand them and what they like and who they are. And so for me, it always starts from a place that's organic and authentic. And then from there, I add on to that. And I know that's why those images hit so hard and connected with people because it was real and you could relate to it. And they became very, very successful quickly within our community because we knew who each one of those females were, right? Mm -hmm. And so instead of toning down any parts of that or hiding any parts of that, I wanted to celebrate those parts. I wanted to put those parts in your face as fly. You know, that was fly to me. I didn't look outside of my culture or my community to look for someone to look up to in fashion. They were all right where I was. And so it was just really a celebration of Black fashion, Black women, and hip-hop culture. Ooh. And it was. And I think that that's also such a great point when you say, like, I wasn't looking to anyone else. Like, I, I, we've, we've got it. We've got it right here. <laughs> <laughs> we we yeah. are enough. And I think, like, yeah. that's something that we don't hear enough even today. And certainly mm-hmm. I can't imagine you were hearing that 20 years ago, that no. what we have was enough. And it, more than enough. It was fly. It was fly. It was fly. <laughs> and we were always being told to, like, when you went outside of our community or you went into different careers or different spaces, period, for that matter. It was always about toning it down. Why do you have Mm. one hoop earring? Why do you have one colors? Why do you have braids in your hair? Why is your look so loud? But that's who we are and where we came from. And it is so crazy that we were tricked out of our natural beauty and all of it. In, in every aspect of it. Why is your butt so big? Now look at the look. <laughs> you know, you need to be a size two, a zero. Like, why do you want to wear color hair? Why do, everything is why, 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 why? And what's wrong with it? Why is it not appropriate to wear a hoop bearing at work in the office? Hmm. Let's really think about it. Like, why? What is it doing? It's representing Black culture. It's representing Africa. It's representing Black women. It's deep. Like, why? Because, you know, you're like, oh, I'm going here. Let me just put my smaller hoop on. Mm -hmm. You know, we've all had, we've all been there, done that at some point or saw someone who's done it, right? But why? Where does that come from? So I was in a space that was a creative space where I could amplify all of that. No one was going to tell me what I could do and what I couldn't do. And Kim, Mary, Missy, Every female that I work with thought the same way Mm -hmm. and they felt empowered that someone saw them that way and thought those things about them were beautiful and thought those things about them were fly and that the world would love it because it was just that special and it was just that important. And you talk about sort of being in this space that's creative and, you know, obviously we talked about these amazing Black women who who we love, but Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways you were Again, like you said, you were 17 styling Jodeci. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was in aggressively male space. Oh, yes. It was. <laughs> and even though it was creative, as you said, and it let you sort of be you, I'm wondering, being in this really male-dominated space and this arena, how you navigated that and how you also made a name for yourself as a Black woman and made sure the other Black women who we're talking about took up space. Yeah. Well, I guess it starts at home. My mother is a five foot bully (laughs) in the most beautiful sense of the word. Oh, I get it. I get it. She's straight, no chaser. It is what it is. She speaks her mind. So I grew up 
around that, right? So that's not foreign for me. And my dad was 6'3", and he had this quiet power. You know, like, he, not that he was a quiet person, but you just know, like, okay, I need to mm-hmm. show a little extra respect right now because that's just what he's giving off. And so I grew up seeing those energies, and I grew up watching my mother speak up for herself, tell the truth, say what it was. And so that was very natural for me. And then to come up under Andre and Puffy, you know, you already know. Hmm. Black power, it is what it is. Ghetto, fabulous, wear fly, all of that. So again, you know, just my environment, I had everything inside of me to take up for myself, to be strong, to have the tough conversations, to even if it didn't come out right, the energy was still there. I'm taking up for myself. You're not just going to do that to me. Okay. This is not right. You know, I'm not going to let it slide. Even if it's not the resolution that I want, I spoke up on it. I said something about it. And so I wasn't afraid energetically. In those days, I, I would, people would probably still assume that I'm more on the quiet side, but I'm just a person that I don't have really anything to say, or I might just be observing where I'm at. You know what I mean? But once I'm comfortable or once I understand what the energy is, then you can have a little bit more of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I see gotta, you seeing me. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah like, just let okay. it marinate. <laughs> yeah, let me just see where I'm at. But back then, because I also didn't understand the full opportunity I was within. So I'm, I'm like learning my ground. I'm learning where I'm at. So I probably was more on the quiet side, but I was observing everything. And then when it was time where I had to take up for myself or speak up for myself as a woman, I did. And before I got my voice to do so, as I said, I had Andre, I had Puffy, I had Eddie F. I had Lance on Rivera. I had Corey Rooney. I had these guys that sort of protected me and spoke up for me in ways that other men would understand when it was needed. And so that was a blessing to be a young female in this business. And when Puff and I broke up, I was really out there by myself. So I just had to choose courage over and over again and be brave. And I'm sure there were some times that I wasn't as brave as I could have been, but I I had the intention to be. And that's all you ever need. That's the start. Mm. And sometimes... Just getting up in the morning is brave enough. That's right. I'll just tell you that. You know, like sometimes. Just not giving up. Yeah, honestly. And I think that that's so important also today because you say you you also had the support system of Black men who were behind you. And I think Mm -hmm. that's something that today I think we need to hear more of and we need to be talking more of when it comes to supporting Black women and making sure there are others who, it's not only just us yelling, right? And mm-hmm. there are other people behind us with bass in their voice, maybe, yes. who yeah. can support us too. That's so yeah. important. And I think yeah. it's something that sometimes get, gets lost today when we mm-hmm. talk about Black women. And we leave a lot of them out in the cold, like you said, a little bit. I love that. And I think one of the ways that you've really done that too is just through your looks, right? Because mm-hmm. you've been able to to sort of like shape shift. Like Kathleen said, there's there's little sexy, there's a little mm-hmm. sassy, but there's also like, you know, we're doing the oversized, yes, right? We're Tom doing Glenn. exactly mm-hmm. like we're doing the Tims, like we're we're doing it all. And so how do you sort of like balance that, right? Again, like of having that voice and making sure you say, like, yes, I'm a woman, but that doesn't mean I can't go tomboyish. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. I can't switch it up? Like, how does that sort of figure into your sort of like stylist energy? And why is that important yeah, for you? I think that the best thing that you could ever do is show people better than you can tell them. So modeling what that looks like, you know, over and over again, 
if I'm on set and which I probably I wouldn't have on anything sexy on set, but let's just say I have on something extra feminine, right? There's too much work, child, you got to do on set to be trying to be too, too cute. But, <laughs> you know, if I'm on set and, you know, I'm attractive to someone, my energy very clear is like, you know, without being abrasive or disrespectful you know how to put your force field up around you when it's like you know may I help you like how do we get this done and you stay in your business zone then look then you will be respected that way that's it that, and that's a way of demanding your respect and not to say that people won't try to pull you out of that and you know whether you're dressed like anything we have it rough if I have one if I could be oversized I might wearing a big sweatshirt Tim's and sweatpants and that might be the worst day that I get that energy that's sort of like condescending, is out of order, is not appropriate. Again, there's no HR. Who's going to save you? <laughs> Who are you going to go to? Who are you going to tell? So you have to be able to self-manage and just, it starts with how you feel and what you give off. If you seem scared and you seem timid, but you can't help that if that's your natural feeling, but you got to learn to get stronger if you're going to be in this business because it's a shark tank. Okay, it's a jungle and you got to be able to navigate the jungle. So you got to be prepared for that and have a support system. If you can't quite find it yet, find a group of people that can support you in finding your strength and your power. Hmm. And who will, again, give you the credit for that too and reach back. Exactly. Yep, because that's super important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said, girl, I can't wait till we get our thing together from us as black people out when we come inside I can't wait for that moment because I've seen it all and I've seen it especially to fast forward to today when streetwear and hip-hop culture is a global phenomenon and everyone loves it and everyone wants a piece of it I remember when people were like that's a ghetto that's hood you know that's not what you do that's not fashion that's not what you wear or she's just the hip hop stylist, or she only works with this group of people or that. But no, I was, I was ahead of y'all. I was always on target and I never changed and I never switched up and I stayed true to who I was. And that's all you can ever do in life. Not that you won't change and not that you won't be, you, you should be flexible, but for yourself, not because of what the world is saying. And I really always stay true to my style aesthetic, to myself and to what I believed in as a creative and woman. I love that you even said that because now today we're seeing, especially within this last year of 2020, we've been seeing, you know, innovators and trailblazers like yourself Mm -hmm. getting your flowers. What does that mean to you today? And like, how does that make you feel to see like, wow, years later, I'm finally being seen and just people are acknowledging my work that I've put in over these several years? And it's going to sound strange, but so very real. I always saw myself. I had to. Or else I wouldn't be the creator I was. So I'm just like, okay, it definitely, I'm filled with gratitude. It feels good to create something that has impacted so many people's lives in a positive way. And that's pretty much how I look at it. I'm happy to be recognized, but I didn't do it for that. And I don't really care about it if that makes sense. I just love to create. And of course it has always been received. So I've just been confident about that. And maybe that's one of those gifts God gave me 
you know, that I just had it. I can't explain it, but it's very real. So I saw myself that way. I didn't ever think I was not good enough. I didn't think what I was creating. I mean, I saw the success. I saw what it did. So that was enough for me at the time. So I think because I didn't need it, now it's coming. And, you know, everything is about divine timing. So things happen when it's supposed to happen. Okay, so let's talk about your collabs and just projects Mm -hmm. that you have going on. So this recent collab, you worked with Macy's on the Icon of Style. And can you just tell us a little bit about that and how that came about? Yes, yes. It came about Duran Guillon at Macy's, the VP at Macy's, the president. He came and he contacted me and he was like, hey, how are you? I can't believe we don't know each other. I said, I can't believe we don't know each other either. (laughs) And we had the most dope conversation and we talked about the academy and he had been a teacher too, if I remember correctly. And he shared with me this project that he was working on. And I thought it was amazing. I didn't know the other creatives that would be involved, but I knew it was something that I was very interested in being a part of. And I had never created with a department store. And I knew that would be a very valuable experience to go through, to have, you know, an understanding of what that looks like. I've done it in luxury fashion with MCM. But now to have this opportunity with Macy's, which also was my late father's favorite store, it Mm -hmm. was just meant to be. Yeah. And so I decided to come on board and it was like the best decision I made late last year because it's been so rewarding. And as I said, what I love most has been working with the team and to see how they create. And I mean, they have a powerhouse team working at Macy's. When I tell you, it's like no joke. And I learned so much about, they don't play about their deadlines either. (laughs) I was like, wait, can I add pink? (laughs) Five more minutes, five more minutes. (laughs) And they like, deadline, gotta go, you know. And so we have three drops coming out. The first, which are complete, by the way. Isn't that crazy? Mm. They are so on point and so next level with it. Like we have spring, summer, and fall in the can already. So the process was amazing. And for the first drop, that I did, I was inspired by, I love prints, I love color. I was inspired by my Japanese and Black heritage and my West Indian heritage as well. And so I wanted to offer something very feminine and pieces that would make women feel beautiful and empowered and sexy. And that was my intention. And I got to show a different side of my designing skill set. And so it was so much fun. It really was. And then I found out along the way that the other four creatives that were involved and it was even more exciting to be a part of a group of visionaries that have made such an impact in fashion and to be able to do it collectively is super powerful. Our listeners can't see this, but Vanessa is wearing one of your blazers (laughs) right now and it is fly. It is so good. So I, I need I need to get one. I need yeah. one. I know. I'm like, you ready for your music video right now. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So looking ahead, so you started, like you said earlier, styling at 17, which is so yeah. crazy to me. It's just amazing that you like well, knew I didn't know. what you wanted to do. I didn't know do. what the hell I was doing. I just knew that oh, I knew what was fly and I was at the right place at the right time and I just jumped into assist. And I was mm-hmm. always fashionable. So no, I didn't even know that I had a career. I probably realized, like, this is what I do by the time I was styling Kim. Like, I do mm. this. With Mary, it was like, I'm a stylist. And, you know, but with, with Kim, <laughs> I was like, I do this. <laughs> mm. <laughs> 
that is a gem. We needed that. <laughs> it's so true. But pretty much I wanted to ask, like, what advice do you have for the up and coming generation of Black people that want to get into styling and into the fashion world? My advice is to become knowledgeable about what it is that you want to do. Really understand the culture of fashion, fashion styling, really anything in life. But coming into this business, like I said, there's unwritten rules, there's written rules. This is the fourth time. No HR, nobody to save you. So <laughs> you need to, but you'll have me now. You can come to the mm-hmm. Sales of Fashion Academy and I'll make sure you're good. But um, to become educated, to understand, I'll speak about fashion styling. That editorial styling is different from celebrity styling, which is different from television and film, which is different from advertising. The culture is different. What people look for when they're hiring is different. The environment is very different. So to really understand that, so you know that you're making a good fit for yourself, like for your personality, for your natural gifting. The last thing you want to do, you choose to do fashion because it's your passion and you're really taking kind of a risk because the world will say, oh, you should do something that's more stable or something that the world thinks has more longevity or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I mean, at least when I was coming up, it was like, you should get this kind of job. Don't do that. Fashion is not serious. That has changed now, but you still do have people who have those types of people in their ear that may make them feel insecure about it. But if you become knowledgeable about what you want to do, sure about the environment, make sure that you think you would be able to not only maintain, but prosper there and be excited about being in a space that sounds like what you learn about, then Now you're empowered. Now you have knowledge. Then after that, but really first, you got to believe in yourself. You got to believe in your gift. You got to believe in your talent. You have to trust your intuition and your imagination because as creatives, that's what we rely on. And so my advice is always to become knowledgeable. So you should always know what it is that you're walking into and believe in yourself. You got to believe in yourself. You have to be courageous over and over again, even if it's just a little bit, you know, you don't, you don't need to win no board for having the most courage, but you have to be courageous and you have to be brave. Ooh, so many gems in what you just said. (laughs) And I can imagine that these are the gems you're passing on to the stylist that you're mentoring. And so I want you to put us on, you know, we know Jenna Tyson, who styles for Millie, that is one of your mentees. But I want you to put us on to some stylists or artists coming up that you've got your eye on that we should keep our eyes on. Okay, you should keep your eye on Opal Campbell. She's known as Old Fashions. Zoe. Naomi, so many, Ovio, Sasha, uh, Jace, Jojo. You put me on the spot, you know, child, I got to be thinking about this. (laughs) But those came off the top of my head. But there are so many creatives that are out there. But I named some that came through my academy that are very, very, very skilled and very talented. And one thing that we do at the academy is nurture and develop each student's natural gifting and talent and make sure that they're confident in that because that's their gift to the world. That's their contribution. There's only one of all of us, right? So you got to know what the great things are about yourself and what you do that adds value to your projects and to your client's life and to your career. Like what makes you stand out in anything that you do? How are you different? And it doesn't mean that it has to be in your face blaringly different, but like, what is it about you that you know is special that you know that you're really good at? 
And that's what you feed and that's what you water and that's what you nurture. Mm. And all those stylists are your legacy. Yes. That is how, I mean, you live on through your designs and your styles that are timeless, but you also live on through this next generation, which is beautiful. Yeah, I do. And it feels really good to be able to mentor and to give back and to share wisdom and knowledge and to be a support and a protector and to be the HR. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <They> don't <have>. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, let me make a phone call. <laughs> so, <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm very protective naturally and especially over my students and my mentees. I think that's so important also for, for even just like me to hear, to be like, there are skills that you have. How can you market them? How can you merchandise them? Like, yes. you, you're you great at your own IG, it's popping up. You might be a social media strategist. Yes. What are those like transferable skills or like, you know, patterns? You might be a mm-hmm. stylist with a capital S. Like, that yes. might not just be something that you do. This might be what you are. And I think a lot of people sometimes are like, no, like, I may not have the experience or the education, but Google is out there. And yeah. do your research. And, and I feel like that's just an opportunity for us to remember that, like, you have the skills. There is something for you. You are here mm-hmm. for a reason to share something. Mm-hmm. And I think yes, that's just are. important that um, our audience hears that. And just, like, yeah. young Black girls who are coming up know that. Right. Yeah. And you should know it. Take a moment and sit down and write 10 great things about yourself. And sometimes that's hard. 10 is a lot. And for some people, they need 20. But, <laughs> but you know, like really make yourself like what is great. And it doesn't have to be, you know, whatever it is. And really own it and think about it and take it in and be like, yes. Because you know it and you said it. It's you telling yourself. You don't need anyone else to tell you, but it's nice to hear what people think about you, of course, and what they see in you that you may not see in yourself. And you got to be able to receive that too. But it's good to know because some people are like, oh, I don't know. I never thought about that. Why? Why not? Ooh. Okay, Misa, this is just so beautiful. <laughs> Literally, like I could spend this entire afternoon talking to you and like answering these questions of why because I also want to know the answers too. But yeah, I just thank you so much for joining, for sharing of yourself and, and just speaking a little bit about honestly, like how you wear your inside on outside. And I think that's a lot of what you do. And it's a lot of what I now just understand to be your heart. And that's just like who you are. Yeah. So thank you for sharing your heart with all of us and all of these amazing women who we love and look up to. Oh, thank you. This was dope. I love talking to you ladies. Great questions. Great energy. Yay. Awesome. The Go Off This Podcast is a Refinery29 original. It is produced by Rashad Isaac, Crystal Devone, Jordan Mason, and me, Chelsea Sanders. It's edited by Hanger Studios. My co-hosts today were Kathleen Newman-Bermang, Stephanie Long, and Danielle Cadet. Like what you heard and want some more? Head over to Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts to catch up on all episodes. And don't forget to drop a review or leave a comment to let us know what you think. You can also find us where it all started, on Instagram, at r29unbothered. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, it's okay to go off, sis. Money world.